the Westwood One Podcast Network. I just thought to myself, you know, if I'll never forgive myself if I don't do this. I have to do this. I have to do this. This is part of what I signed up for. Obviously not, you know, I'm not saying, you know, death is what I signed up for. But knowing that possibility, I mean, you're riding that line. It's a fine line. And that's something that really made me feel alive. All right, everybody, welcome back to the TNQ Podcast. I'm your host, Marcus Luttrell. Every week, it's my job to fire you up, to ignite the legend inside of you, and to push you to your greatness. Join me every week as I take you into my briefing room with some of the most hard-charging people on the planet. They're going to show you how to embrace the suck of life, teach you the values of working your ass off, and charge through whatever life throws at you. This is the Team Never Quit Podcast. Podcast. So buckle up, buttercup. All right, everybody, welcome to the TNQ Podcast. Glad you guys brought us back. I'm excited about our uh, guest today, brother. Yeah, she's intense. Uh, um, what year was it we went to that, that race, that drag race, funny car? 15 and 16. Colorado, right? 15 and 16. Man, that was something. You've been back since, right? Yeah, I went back uh, last year. Got to go down on the track again. Still impressed with the fact you're going to strap yourself inside of 11,000 horsepower. There's no way we can sneak onto the track and jump in a car and take off because they don't keep the cars on the track before the race. No, smart. That would probably try tried, right? Yeah. <laughs> I don't even know how to get that thing down there. I mean, you got to kick that thing over with another engine completely. Is that right? Yeah, they got like a machine that rolls that thing. It's not like a key. You ever been to one of them? No, I haven't. That I mean, TV, awesome. TV doesn't do drag racing justice at all. At all. Because the camera can't keep up with the car, right? No. I mean, I was like, I asked, I was like, hey, why don't you guys put a GoPro on the front and back of this car? What is that? Can't see anything, right? Well, it still doesn't, you don't get, it doesn't do it justice. It would just look like a blur. I mean, if you put like a camera on the back of the car so you could see how fast it goes away from the line, but they said jump out of an airplane? Yeah, they said it, they said it, they tried it and it just, but it's impressive. What was the name of the guy that brought us up behind the the car that time? Don Schumacher. Yeah, Mr. Schumacher, that's right. The man. Dude. Daddy Don. Andrew, he walked us up. He's like, hey, come on up here, man. Help me push the car to the line. Yeah. And oh, I, yeah. He's like, hey, you see all these ladies standing around here? Around the back side of that square, right? The car pulls up right after the burn, and it's just line. You can stand right next to the track. It was all women around. He goes, watch this. And then we, he brought us up to, the, to the, the first time he was just standing there, and we were, like, right behind him. And that when that engine started rolling, dude, and they took off, that – you can feel it in your feet. It, vi- it vibrated. <laughs> it was like somebody hitching the chest when you're standing it, behind it. It vibrated your whole entire body. Like, like literally. And then had the car that just said, look at all those ladies over there all smiling. Because, I mean, it vibrates. <laughs> 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 it, it's literally an explosion. Literally an explosion. I told Mr. Schumacher, I was like, hey, when you get done, because he goes out behind every single one of his cars to put to see him off every time. He pushes every one of his cars. He has like seven or something crazy number like that. I was like, hey, sir, when you get done with all this, come see me because I need to, I need to study your brain. Because yeah. they're like getting hit in the face with a sledgehammer every time that thing clacks off. I'll let you know how tough that dude is. Good Lord. Right? That was a lot of fun, man. 
Mr. Schumacher, thanks for so much for having us down there. I I can, I'm, I'm looking forward to going back on that one. That was a good trip, man. Oh, yeah, a lot of fun. People are great. That's a great crowd. It is. All right, guys, you know one of the best parts of this show are listener stories because that gives our audience a chance to, to share their story, to share what they're going through, uh, and allow us to to support them wherever we can. So, uh, Marcus, let's get into a story. What do you say? Reader's story. Here we go. My story comes from a much younger perspective. I am only 18 years old, but I hope that may help others my age. For most of my life, I wanted to serve in the United States Marine Corps. Good job, buddy. December 5. On my birthday in May of 2017, I was finally old enough to join up. I began the process of enlisting along with the full support of my family. I spent over eight months working as hard as I possibly could, both physically and mentally, to get in the Corps. In January of 2018, I received the news that I was not able due to severe hearing loss that had occurred while I was working with my father as a butcher. That night, I shut off my phone and slumped into a deep depression. That night, I had my rifle in my hand and around, chambered, ready to give it up. Before I could go any further, my best friend from high school walked in and refused to leave me alone. I remembered an old friend that took his own life and how much it destroyed his family, and I refused to do that to mine. The next three weeks, those closest to me kept me inside at all times. Shortly after this, all of my friends that I attempted to join with all shipped off, and I was left alone in our hometown. I lost my way. I dropped out of school, quit my job, moved away from home, lost my girlfriend, Realize now that was a good decision. <laughs> Sometimes it works out like that, buddy. And I was ready to give up yet again. I silently battled with emotions for months before a close friend opened up to me and confessed they were going through a rough time as well. I felt God calling me. I stepped up and helped her in every way I could, and I realized what I feel is my true calling. Since all of this happened, I have returned to my hometown and began studying to become a chaplain. I work hard during the day and pay the bills and study all night. I'm hoping to join the ranks of my local police force and serve my community and those officers and chaplains as well. Thank you all for your show. It has given me the drive to continue to push forward. Your show has also pushed me to pursue my drive to serve. I now work as a firefighter until I can become a cop. Well, Bob, or ma'am, or whoever we're talking to, thank you for writing in. I know this. it's actually probably a good thing that there's not a name on this because I know there's a lot of people who are going through... Um, similar situations. And it's at that darkest moment that we get into, man, is that uh, we kind of create our own rock bottoms, if you will. And when you get down there, you kind of realize that there's, there's two ways you can go back up or completely out. And you have that option and the strength that it, it takes to get out of there, man, is, is it's inside of you. If, if something got you down there, then there's something there that can get you out. And that's why it's also incumbent to have our friends and, and keep our, our close friends and family around us at all times. So thank you for writing in and sharing this. Uh, congratulations on, on pulling yourself out of that, becoming a firefighter. And then uh, we know you're going to become a, a police officer one day. So thank you, everybody who wears those badges and those uniforms. I mean, you put the first responder uniforms all together and you get camouflage. You jerk that away and it's, it's, it's our paramedics and police officers and firefighters. It's kind of one team, one fight. So thank you all for what you do. Um, and thanks again for writing in. If you love the Team Keep podcast, please share the show with a friend. The show is available on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, Amazon, and pretty much any other podcast player. 
We've got a ton of great episodes and had some incredible guests, including David Goggins, Laura Logan, Sir Robert Van Pelton. Look, if you're already following us on Facebook and Instagram, then you know that we keep our followers up to date with new gear, sales, guests, events, and a ton of other stuff you won't get anywhere else. Anywhere else. Anywhere else. If you aren't following us yet, you're missing out. You can follow us at team underscore never quit. You can also keep up with Marcus at Marcus Latrell Morgan. Oh, when you say my name, oh, yeah. you have to do it. You can, <laughs> you can also keep up with Marcus at Marcus Latrell Morgan at Mojo Latrell and me, Andrew Bruckenbush. That's good, man. Have you checked out our new gear we've added to the TNQ shop? The new shirts, hats, and backpacks. No matter where you find yourself, this stuff never quits. Head over to the shop, teamneverquit.com, and get yours now. All right, let's get into today's show. All right, everybody. Welcome back to another edition of Team Never Quit Podcast. I'm Marcus Luttrell. I got my brother over there, Morgan. Hey, we got Andrew back there. Hey, hey. and today on as our guest man, we have Alexis DeJoria. Pronounce that right? Yes, that's it. Okay, you go by Miss James these days. Thanks for having me, guys. <laughs> <laughs> so, without further ado, brother, you want to kick this off? If you were an MMA fighter, who would you most want to get in the ring with? Tanya Harding. Ooh. Or Hillary Clinton? Uh, Hillary Clinton. <laughs> I don't know why. <laughs> All right, if you could sing any song as well as the artist who sings it, Super Bowl, halftime, what song would it be? Oh, gosh. Uh, oh, my gosh. That's you putting me on the spot. Uh, get the, get those cognitive juices flowing. <laughs> <laughs> no one is. That's uh, the best part yeah, about it. Yeah, no one ever is. That's that why we do it. Me. Um, you know, I. Hmm. Are you rock and roll or country music? Oh, I, I like rock and roll, definitely. So think, um, dream on, dream on. There you go. There you go. That's a good one. That's a good one. <laughs> if if you could have any classic car in your garage, what would it be, and what color? Well, Considering you probably I have a garage full of them. Okay. <laughs> uh, but what I don't have, something that I'd, I'd really love uh, is a 62 or 63 Impala. Actually, swap that. 69 Impala, the mint green or something. Yeah. Right. Mint green. Green, that is the sign of genius. Good job. All right, picking that up. Thank you. Hey, if you could go, if you could, you, if you could go back <laughs> you and catch yourself right out of high school, what's the one piece of advice you give yourself? Don't do it. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, just, I'll just leave it at that. Don't do it. <laughs> great answer. That is. All right, man. We'll wrap it up with that one. Don't do it. <laughs> no, good job. All right. That's how we break the ice, man. Kind of th throw those out there because okay. the topic we're going to get into now can get, uh, depending on how many of these you've had, a lot of the, some of our guests we have on their never quit, their greatest never quit story is their entire life. And some people have one of those defining moments. Um, and we talk about that. But, you know, without further ado, if you could uh, please just get into one of your, yeah, one of your greatest and toughest stories and um, how you overcame it. I, I have a perfect story for this. So some of your viewers know, or maybe they, some don't know. Um, I raced NHRA drag racing for 12 years and I, I came up the ranks. I started off in super gas, moved to super comp, 
once I won a race, moved up to uh, Top Alcohol Funny Car, and then eventually uh, Nitro Funny Car when I won a race in that one. So I won I won races in every class, and that's that's what gave me the confidence to make that next step into the higher class, eventually going to the pros. Well, uh, I'll take you back to 2009. I was racing Top Alcohol Funny Car in English Town, New Jersey. Uh, the track is, is known to be a tough track. Uh, it's the shortest, second shortest shutdown uh, on, the, on the entire race circuit. And uh, uh, a man by the name of Scott Kalitta lost his life. He crashed in Nitro Funny Car at that track. Uh, they made some, they made some, uh, you know, the, a camera, like a boom camera crane that was at the end of the track that he hit that ultimately, ultimately took his life in the end. So yeah. fast forward to 2009, I'm sitting, uh, you know, a couple of cars back and, uh, one of the alcohol funny cars, it, it was race day. It was Sunday. One of the cars, Marty Nostein went out and he, you know, his parachutes came out late, and he went in the sand and tumbled over. Uh, so there was that. So there was a bit of a cleanup. Got out of the car, got back in. Marty was fine. Uh, get up there. And I ended up running my best run at that time. I think it was 260 miles an hour and a quarter mile. I had one wow. round. I had, I had and my best time yet to that date. And I go to hit my parachute. And nothing happened. Uh oh. <laughs> and uh, you know, with these cars, uh, you know, you, you have you know plus G forces, but when those parachutes hit, it's like a negative three G's in an alcohol funny car, and you feel it. I mean, the the back the back tires, the slicks come up off the ground. It's a it's like a violent you know uh, regression, and it didn't happen. And I'm pulling on the brake, something happening, and and in a second, I know I'm going fast, and I'm going really fast, and I don't know what's going on behind me or or, or nothing, and I I'd never been in an accident like before, and it's like everything slowed down uh, to like a, a crawling pace. And there was a uh, track officials on the sides of the track, you know, and, and there, I remember kind of laughing to myself at one point, cause they're all like, you know, waving me down the track. And I'm like, yeah, there's no way I'm going to hang a left right now. I'm going over a hundred miles an hour. <laughs> I can't stop this thing. So I, I did my best. I, I lined up right in the middle of the sand trap. And as soon as, as my front tires left the, left the asphalt and went into the sand, I took my hands off the wheel and I clasped my, my chest and I closed my eyes and just, you know, braced for impact, not knowing what the hell was going to be waiting for me at the other end. Uh, I went, I didn't even touch the sand. I was going so fast. I uh, went through both catch nets. And then there's uh, rows, like 10 rows of sand-filled plastic yellow barrels. And I went through four rows of that, those and finally stopped. This car finally stopped and fell to the side, upside down. And, you know, open my eyes, look around. 
I'm fine. And right off the bat, I'm pissed as hell. All right, yeah. <laughs> you know, I'm down. What the hell happened? Why, you know, why am I in the sand? I knew I won the race. And I'm looking at my card going, well, I can't race the next round. And I don't have a backup. You know, and these, all these things are going through my mind instead of thinking to myself, wait, you're alive. Yeah, you just right. made it. You're, you're alive right now. <laughs> yeah, you think so that would have been the first one to roll through your head? Like, man, yeah, okay, right, we're, we're good, we're alive. All right, now I'm a, yeah, it's sad with true competitor. You know, and I, and I was, I was really lucky, but that's right. the, the fighter and the and the racer in me. And uh, you know, the guys, the, the 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 track crew come and pull me out of the skate patch through the top, and you know, I'm telling them I'm fine, I'm fine, don't worry about me, I'm fine, I'm pissed off, I'm like, what the hell? So, so long story short. Uh, my parachutes were uh, attached to my rear end, and the tabs that were holding the parachute cords, one of them uh, ripped off. So it, it, I think every run I was making, it was getting a little bit, uh, you know, weaker and weaker. And then finally, it just opened up the rear end like a, you know, like a can opener and spilled rear end lube all over my brakes. And, and the parachutes ripped off at the same time. So I had no way to stop that car. No brakes, no shoot. Sweet. So is that... No brakes, no shoot. At the shortest, uh, one of the shortest shutdown areas on the circuit. So when they break uh, that car down... when when they, I'm sorry, I just wanted to add. When they break that car down from to nothing and build it back up as fast as they do, the shoot, that, that, that doesn't get... That's not part of that priority checklist? Yeah, you got to pack the shoot um, every run. I mean, just like when we is, jump a parachute, I, right? I don't think... But when we when we looked back at it, we realized that you know whoever put them on, there was only they were welded on the sides, not the insides. I don't know how that happened, but from that accident, uh, they implemented more safety precautions. So now that could that will never happen again. Um, they, <laughs> Thanks. They're not on, they're not on the rear end. They're not, that would never happen again. And there's a tether system. So you know from from my accident, I was very lucky. And uh, the safety precautions just got better, but as they do with with accidents like that, unfortunately, it takes things like that for us to learn what not to do anymore. Yeah, that's uh, so. <laughs> that's one thing we so do well, fine, right? Yeah, they they took me in the ambulance, and uh, you know they made me go. I didn't want to go. John Force was like, "You better get in that thing." I'm telling you right now. <laughs> you don't know what what's going on. Yeah, when I and uh, <laughs> so I went to the hospital. You know, like an hour later, my my whole body was was in so much pain just from the G forces. It was like twenty when I hit the barrels. It was like twenty five Gs or something crazy Whoa. like that. They said it was looked like insane. a. I'm I don't sure your whole body yeah, looked like an egg. Like, yeah, it looked like an eggplant. Twenty Gs. <laughs> yeah, it was really crazy. Uh, but so I uh, I didn't have a car to run, obviously. So we had to wait. We had to rebuild, and it took about a month. And I, all I wanted to do was get back behind that driver's in the driver's seat. I just wanted to get back in the damn car so bad, but I didn't have a car to drive. I had to wait a month, about a month. Uh, we got a great, had a great car built, you know, super safe and everything was great. And uh, we went to make some test runs. And my biggest, my biggest thing was just get getting the parachutes out and stopping the car. <laughs> I could care less about the rest of it. I just wanted to get to the end, make sure the parachutes ran, like opened up perfectly, and the brakes worked. Everything was good, great. 
so I I go back on the circuit. Okay. Uh, this was towards the end of of the um, of our racing uh, season, so there was a few more races, whatnot. Fast forward to 2010. I'm back in Englishtown, New Jersey. I'm sitting two, probably two cars back, two two uh, pairs back, uh, underneath the tower, waiting to go. And a man by the name of Neil Parker had just crashed. Same track. Uh, it was race day, and uh, he did not make it. <sighs> Unfortunately, it's kind of reliving the same uh, thing. Yeah, so this, uh, it was my first first time back in English Town since my crash, sitting in the car and three pairs ahead. Same spot, uh, yeah. Neil, Neil, Neil Parker lost his life, out top alcohol funny car. So this was a very critical moment in my mind. You know, I, I'm... Yeah, I'm what, that's I'm what I want to know. What's going through your so, head right now? Well, this, this, this is kind of like yeah, that never okay. quit moment. I mean, it is. This is this is definitely the moment. It's do or die. Uh, this could, you know, I mean, the crash itself could have made made or break my career. I could have mentally just been like, oh, forget that, we're done. Or I or I could have gotten really hurt. I didn't, fortunately, and I got back up on the horse. But this was the moment that really separated me from a true racer. Or, you know, just somebody who likes thrills. <laughs> I do like thrills, but, um, you know, we got out of the car. They had us all get out of the cars, um, obviously. And I'm talking to my teammate, my team, and, and they're saying, you know, don't, don't go. You don't, have to, you don't have to race. Like, you know, I wouldn't get back in that car if I were you. Because the track's saying, you know, they're – obviously going to get everything figured out and they're going to race us. They're going to put us back out on the racetrack. And which we all, we all kind of thought was in bad taste, but at the time, you know, what, what would, what would Neil Parker want? You know, he wants to get back out there and race. He would want us to get back up there. And uh, so, you know, I'm having my own, my own crew chief is saying, Oh, Alexis, you know, we, we wouldn't fault you for not getting back behind that wheel. We totally understand and don't, you know, all this stuff. Even Scott Kalita's team, who I ended up racing for, you know, later on, they even, their crew chiefs came to me from the pro ranks and they came over and were talking to me and, you know, and, and uh, that's actually how we ended up uh, getting the relationship we did. But uh, that was a very pivotal moment and, I just thought to myself, you know, it's, I'll never, I'll never forgive myself if I don't do this. Like if I don't, I have to do this. I have to do this. You know, this is, this is part of what I signed up for. Obviously not, you know, I, I'm not saying, you know, death is what I signed up for, but knowing that possibility, I mean, you're riding that line. It's a fine line. Sure. And that's something that really made me feel alive. Yeah, death does that. Did you walk away and kind of go out to get into your head? A lot of people 
do that? I'm just just curious. As in this moment right now, are you sitting in the car telling yourself this, or you just kind of because when everyone's telling you not to? You yeah, know. they're telling me that. But you know what? I usually even before around, I'll I'll go kind of off to myself. I'll either go in the tow vehicle or something and put put my my headphones on and listen to music and just kind of you know get myself centered. And that's what I did. And I thought really hard about it. And I knew Neil and I knew his team and it was absolutely heartbreaking. It was heartbreaking. Um, but I got back in that car and I made a run and I did one hell of a long burnout for Neil (laughs) (laughs) longer than longer than my guys even thought like were prepared for. So (laughs) That's awesome. Uh, but you know, I, I just went out there and I was like, I'm going to do good for Neil. I'm going to, I'm going to do this for him. And, 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 uh, I got past it and you know, there's, there's uh, not a lot of science in this. It, it's all heart. It's all heart. And mentally you just, I don't know, man, you just, you just do it. You got to go. You just so explain it. that. You're getting in the line right before you burn out. I, I mean, you're telling yourself, so walk us through that moment from, I mean, cause it's, it's only a couple seconds, you know, even the parachute on yeah. the beginning, I wanted to ask you about oh, that too, but, but I mean, from the time you crawled in there and threw your helmet on and it's, it's game time. Talk us through that. Well, well, when you've been racing for a while, that, that five, five seconds feels a lot longer. <laughs> it feels right, more yeah. like five minutes, but, uh, everything really does slow down. Um, so I got back in the car. I mean, everybody, you know, like, uh, my competitors, you know, everybody, we're all standing. It was very sad. So we're all, we're all looking at each other in the staging lanes about to get in our cars. It's dead silent. I mean, you know, there's just this look in everybody's eyes, like, you know, like we're going to war almost. And, and I know I'm not trying to, you know, uh, compare myself to what you guys went through in any way, but it's, it's a mental war. No, honestly. the only, that's what you explained it earlier. And I don't mean to cut you off, but what, what, what's going on is death is present. And when death shows up and stands yeah. and, and is around in the room or around wherever, everyone feels it. Which he always is, but if you know it. Yeah, well, exactly. He's like, all right, somebody... Now you're paying attention to yeah, it. It's you don't need to say anything. You know, words words aren't necessary. You just you can see it in each other's eyes. You just you know, and it's in your gut. And and uh, and yeah. And so we get you know we're putting our helmets on. We're doing a prayer. I always do a prayer over my motor. I always right before I get in the car, I lean over the uh, the uh, blower and I say to my our injector, and I do a little prayer for. Everybody around me, all the racers, all the fans, all the crew, and the car, and uh, keep everybody safe. And I get in the car, and it's game on. I gotta, I gotta keep my blinders on, and I gotta stay focused on my job, and do everything step by step, and just stay in the moment. I can't think ahead, and I can't think in the past. I have to be right there in my seat right now. And I get in there and start the car up. I go through the water and I get into my burnout feeling really good. And I step on it a little bit more and I get about half track. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, you know, I got the Neil, man, I love you. This is for you, buddy. And, uh, back up, go out and do great, you know, but I mean, co- coming, cruising up to that, to the top end of the racetrack, uh, area at best. It, it was, 
you could feel the heaviness coming, going around the turnoffs at the end of the racetrack. Like you could just, you could just feel it. Wow. And every time I raced back at that, at that track, ever since then, I always, uh, before the race started, I'd always go down to the end of the track and put flowers down there for uh, Neil and for uh, Scott. And, you know, I thank God to this day that I was, uh, that I made it out. And, and it's weird. You think like, well, why, why me, but not, not them. And uh, I definitely think that because of Scott's accident, that saved my life and hopefully many others. And, uh, oh man, the pressure that, in having that was, to do that. That. Was a huge, that was a huge, huge, huge deal for me. And, and it's really what, what separated me from, you know, from not, from not being a fighter. I mean, I've always been a fighter. I've never given up on anything almost to a fault, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> but it's, it's something that I was taught by my father at a young age. He never gave up. I mean, he was, he was an encyclopedia salesman at one point. I mean, you really have to not give up. To be yeah, like encyclopedia Britannica. <laughs> I think those were the only encyclopedias yeah, back then. A hundred doors slammed in your face, but that one person wants to order the set and it go. makes everything good again. That's amazing. I, I don't think people actually truly appreciate what those cars can do. And TV doesn't do it justice. So the fact that you sit, I've been on the track, brother and I both been on the track behind the car, like push the car to the line before you hit the accelerator and go. And we're standing there when you launch out on green and it's literally like standing behind an explosion. So sitting inside of it, I, I, it I, I can only, I can't imagine cause I've never been in that situation, but how fast he got out of sight. Yeah. I mean, we were standing there right there. You can see the back of the helmet and every detail of that engine. Less than a blink of an eye is gone. It was, and Because you blink. When they yeah. hammer down, you blink. You can't. I mean, the whole explosion. explosion, right? And just everything vibrates. And when you finally open your eyes, they're gone. Like, it hurts. <laughs> it's unbelievable. To, to be there. <laughs> just to watch that go down and then try to and then have you in the car steering that explosion yeah, in a straight crazy line to watch you know from the stands or even even the starting line and realize that there's a person in there because <laughs> oh. i can only imagine how fast <laughs> that finish line it, is coming at you it, it comes up real quick i can tell you my my first run in a uh in an alcohol funny car which is like a huge difference from super cop i'm talking you know, uh, 180 miles an hour and a quarter mile to 200 and what are they up to now? 70 or 280 in a quarter mile. Uh, yeah, it's pretty crazy. And then nitro, I mean, my best run was uh, 3.96 seconds at 136 miles an hour. That's stomping out a, qu a quarter of a mile. Three, Literally going a quarter of a mile in three, three seconds. Six. Yeah, well, actually, a thousand feet. They cut us back. They cut after, it back, right? Yeah. Uh, they cut they cut the nitro cars back after Scott Colletta's accident, so they cut them back uh, three hundred and fifty feet. That's insanity. Sorry, I tell you what, I would go back to the, the when when you insanity after, that, after um, Scott's wreck and you pulled up, man, and you everyone talking about the weight because death is there. Yeah. And when that green when the green hits and it's that less than a second, man, you literally drug all of that emotion away from everybody. By completing that, because you said you turned around, I mean, it's kind of like driving into a different world altogether. It had to be done, right? You were the one that was chosen to do that, and it, I mean, that's the challenge, man. It's just to get in there exactly. and hammer down. I mean, just get in there and do what you do. That's that's 
that's it, man. And that, and that's the crazy thing about death is it makes you second guess yourself. You know, when it around, it probably doesn't even have anything to do with you, man. It's just so powerful that emotion that, man, it resonates through everybody. And when someone finally steps up to take that, you know, hey, basically what you did was you, you you're the one that stepped to the line with death and be like, hey, let's race. If I win, you have to leave. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, and you don't, yeah, you don't know, you don't know how you're going to be until it, until it happens. You know, you can, you can prepare that's exactly right. yeah, all the training and everything, but when that happens, you know, it, it's, it's a whole different world, you know, it's completely different, fight, completely different. Yeah. Especially completely when you're stepping different. in there by yourself. Yeah. yeah you're exactly. alone. And it is. You are all alone in that moment. <laughs> well, that's a time you want everybody. <laughs> can we get everybody man, in the car with me? To... We'll do this together. Hold on for a second. <laughs> Let me think about this. That that would be one of the biggest talking points. I would I would ask our listeners to take take away from this interview with Alexis is that you know she she hit the nail on the head. If you got if you know like Marcus said, if death is present and she says, hey, somebody has to get out there, out front and pull death away. <laughs> you know what I'm about? And. I got to think that once, yeah, once you went flying down the, down the line, it, it kind of everybody took a a solemn breath and said, "Okay, let's get let's get back." And that's what he that's what they would have wanted every time. The same thing when we when we lose yeah. someone on our end, you're like, "Hey, well, let's stop, sit back, and rest." I say, "Hell no, that's not what they want. That's not what they would have wanted." They you never get f- down. You never feel more alive after you've done that. Yeah, and, we, and that's one of the things oh, you don't have to do it. It's not, yeah, you're not doing it all the time. It's like a one time deal, hopefully, right? Where you have to encounter that hard. That like when you can feel it that that intensely, right? And then, man, once once you pull through it, the you have a different taste on life. Absolutely, yes, you do. And, and that track just had had a, a feeling about it that you know, I, and I love that track. That was actually one of my favorite tracks, and I wanted to win there so freaking bad, you know, for for me, for my team, for Neil Parker, for Scott Kalita, for Connie Kalita's dad. I mean, I went to the finals there, and oh, it was. Just to get to the finals in a nitro funny car racing for Connie Kalita, I mean, we all had tears in our eyes. It was it was just an incredible thing. But uh, yeah, English Town has that that kind of like dark cloud almost. <laughs> you know, everybody when when you go there, you want to win that race. It's a tough race uh, on the East Coast circuit, but uh, man, you just you know the history going in, and you just you just pray that you know everybody comes out alive for this of this track and when you do it's just like a whew, you know one more we we did it we did it it's crazy that we chase stuff like that and it i mean you, I you purposely put ourselves in those situations and we tell ourselves to make ourselves feel alive but i would feel alive doing almost everything in that world right it's just how do you go how do you go back to normal life though after that oh <laughs> if you, you okay so that would be my next question <laughs> that was going to be my next question to you you've you you you've left when you retired out of that, how'd you get into it first? Yeah, would you see it on TV one day, or, or Daddy go? Hey, you <laughs> how, how, how'd all this start? Where did you get this fire? Uh, well, <laughs> my dad uh, he used to race cannonball races all over, you know, the United States. Real crazy stuff, and always had the best stories. And I, I just kind of gravitated towards the hot rods in high school and. You know, my dad had cool, fun, you know, fast cars, and he was a 
he was a motorhead. And it was just something that, that I loved. I grew up just loving it. You know, my mom always drove fast and, you know, not, not always the best. <laughs> not always on the track really either, right? <laughs> <laughs> no, but the thing is, is nobody in my family raced at all. Like, you know, nobody raced professionally. So it was something that, you know, I got into some trouble and I did some street racing and not, you know, I'm not promoting that in any way, shape or form, but that's, kind of how I, I got my feet wet and you know my dad knew that I really loved racing I had a 67 Chevelle SS in high mm-hmm. school and uh and I still have it to this day thank you very much nice and <laughs> they'll bury me in that car I'm never selling it uh and I, it was just something that I love to do and he's like well why don't you know if you're interested why don't why don't you try to really do it and I was working for my dad at the time for the family business like everybody does four years in uh, learning with every aspect of the company. But at the end of the day, I had this urge, like this urge, I wanted to go race. I wanted to do it for real. I went to, you know, a, an NHRA drag race in Pomona. And when I saw the nitro cars, the funny cars go down the track, I just knew that that's, I'm going to do that. I am going to race. I'm going to be in that car one day and I'm going to do everything I can to get there. And not having any family that races, obviously, I had to, like, you know, find my own way Figure in. out what that looked like, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, you got to work your way up from, from you know, step one. It's just, like, how the hell how the, how does this even work? Yeah. I mean, that, that's a, exactly. How does that work? You know what you got to do? You got to park next to some people, to some seasoned drivers who are <laughs> very helpful. <laughs> So uh, luckily I found one of my mom's friends could drive a big rig and kind of work on a car. I found an old uh, super gas Corvette that was for sale and I used my savings on that and we hit the road and, you know, uh, went to a few West coast races, met up with some really great, you know, old sportsman racers that helped us out. And uh, that was pretty much on its last leg and, and moved up to super comp and, you know, did really well. And within eight months, I made it to two finals and won a sportsman national event. And, uh, moved up to, uh, you know, top alcohol funny car again, you know, making friends with some really great people out there. And, and so it's really like, I mean, because a lot of times when it went with racing and sports, I think it's, it's a family deal, right? You always hear those names that are synonymous with whatever sport that is, but it's, it's literally meant if yeah. you, if you have, because a lot of, a lot of people don't know. I mean, you see NASCAR and then racing them. It's almost impossible to get into because you don't have the first clue at what the first step is. So, I mean, it, right. you're going from d- racing your car in high school to, and it's just like, man, I got a, a knack yeah. for this. Huh. Or I, well, I enjoy it. But it's, it's when you saw the, yeah. the, the top fuels that really got your attention instead of, because I mean, there's NASCAR, uh, dirt track, everything else in between, man. You went straight for the heavy engine. Is it literally like that? I mean, you, how would somebody even begin to get into that? Well, from the beginning, I, I wanted to race a nitro car, but I had to work my way up. And uh, I went to uh, to Frank Holly's drag racing school to get <laughs> to get my my feet wet, to get you know uh, some some runs down the track and get licensed. And uh, I, you know, there's just a, a lot of really great people in the NHRA drag racing world, it really is a family sport because at the end of the day, you know, we all sit in our, in our pits and, you know, eat food together. Our kids play together, you know, crack some beers, have some shots of Patron. 
<laughs> I mean, that's uh, awesome. You know, what, what, because there is a lot of downtime in between, you know, the races. Obviously, we're on the track for a very short amount of time. Um, so you make really good connections, really good friends out there. Um, obviously, Nitro is, is very corporate. You know, there's a lot on the line, a lot of money on the line, a lot of pressure. Uh, so it's, it's a bit different from the sportsman classes. It, it really is a team effort. I mean, you know, I, I met some really great people in the sportsman ranks that, that helped me get to the Nitro ranks just by, you know, their longstanding, uh, you know, history in, in the sport. And me not knowing anything, I just came out there and said, hey, guys, I just want to race. <laughs> You know, and they were like, where'd this girl come from? <laughs> We've never heard of you before. Uh, but it was, it was, it was really now. great. Um, but that's yeah, a great way of yeah. saying that, though. I mean, it, with a lot of people that with these events and these sports or, or anything in life that that's, that amazes you, a lot of people are, are so intimidated by their own amazement that they, they have no idea to, that they can just literally walk in there and say, you know what, man, I, I'm really fascinated by this. I I you mind showing me some things or teaching me some things? I got the chance to do the One Lap America, the race the cannonball run race this yeah. year and i had a bla- i i mean i learned so much about all racing by doing that yeah and, i mean you're, you're talking about the difference between first place and 10th place is literally a 10th of a second in a, in a lot of these races yeah, and that exactly. is just absolutely amazing at that speed and you know, chaos and pain is relative to the person who's going through it. As, as you train yourself, yeah. when fear sets in in the beginning, it's just not, it's the unknown. You're not ready for it. And the more you right. stand around, the more you look at it and talk about it and, and study it, the, the fear kind of turns to anxiousness. And a lot of people think that they're always like, I'm always afraid when I get on the line. I'm like, well, no, it's kind of your, your body telling you that you're ready to go, right? It runs off fear yeah. and anxiousness run off the same fuel, uh, so to speak. So, yes. And then going through those, it's, it's kind of one of those deals where in everything you do, if always the enjoyment part, everybody focuses on that. And they, the, the, when the bad parts roll around, it's just like, it's horrifying. Sometimes it, it puts people out of their chosen <laughs> profession when in reality, that's a part yeah. of it. That's the life, right? It's that those two things go together. And when you learn how to balance both of them and, and realize there are no good and bad times, there's just the times, right. And how well prepared you are for right. them. And when those, those tests come in with pain and, and death. And when that's sitting around, it's literally like the, the, the defining moment to see, man, are you sure this is you? This is what you're wanting to do. Cause it's right. so are you sure you're cut out for that. Correct. Because every time you face the, every time you face the unknown like that, every time you face it and you just, you hit it head on, it gets lesser and lesser and lesser. But you do like even the first run on race day, you know, I've got a little bit of uh, it's the anxiousness, yep. you know, it's not, you're not scared. You're not in fear. You're about to do is badass. Yeah, all right. Badassness. And, and there's 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 people in the world that would love to do it, but would never get behind that wheel. There's people, you know, that that have no desire to get behind that wheel. I mean, it's it's something that very very few people love to do and are good at it. And um, it is it's it, it, it's an incredible feeling when you handle that car, when you handle that eleven thousand plus horsepower nitro burning race car breathing fire basically no. it's, it's a bomb waiting to go off because it's nitro methane which is liquefied propane and it is a ticking time bomb and it's eating itself away 
all the way down the track. They have to change the, the heads every time, rods and pistons every time. They take it down to the bare block after every single run. And when that car goes out and you're, about, you're going about 300 miles an hour and you lose all traction like the car hits black ice and you get it back, it's <laughs> like... <laughs> what the hell is this? Rocket shit. <laughs> It's like it's like the best feeling in the world, but but once you start getting used to it, you kind of look forward to stuff like that because it, it it's like hey, you know what, you're alive again. It's it, you know it gets your attention. These cars, you're never safe in these cars from the moment that car starts up to the moment it sh- you you shut it down. You are never safe. You have to be aware of your surroundings and in the moment at every point. Kind of like riding lightning, probably, man. I mean. We- that, now as you use the, the explosion, man, <laughs> literally you're sitting on a piece of fragmentation that was in that bomb trying to keep, keep it in a straight line. Like, let's see what this does. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, and it doesn't want to go straight. That thing is a bucking Bronco. It's short wheelbase, motor in front of you. You're sitting over the transmission. And uh, it, it just does not want to go straight at all. If you look on the onboard cameras, it's pretty crazy. The car will look like it's dead straight, but inside you're turning the wheel like, you know, 100%. You're just going back and forth, back and forth. And, and, and it's a buck and bronco. But that's also why I chose it. That's why I chose the Nitro Funny Cars, because they are the hardest to drive. They're the most difficult, the most challenging. And, man, I'm up for a challenge. That's like flying a this is basically <laughs> oh, like you know, flying a jet without the wings. And, I, and when you yeah, when you I, I got to fly in a S fifteen Strike Eagle at Mountain Home Air Force Base, and and those guys were impressed by what I did, and I said, "Man, I'm impressed by what you do. Let's do a ride swap." And they said, "Hell no!" <laughs> that ought to tell you something. When you got the jet jocks. Honestly, I don't have a pilot's license, but <laughs> the, but they were more like, "Hell no, I don't think I want to drive your funny car." <laughs> oh, hey, with, when you're talking about moving the wheel in the car at that speed, the, I mean, it's small corrections because if you Right, and if you overcompensate, if you're going right uh, and you hammer that wheel left, it's, it's not, still going to go the desired distance and direction because of the time, speed, and distance. Right, so if you overcorrect too far so, on one side, you're gonna you're you're heading off, right? Yes, but with see the difference between the top fuel dragsters and the nitro funny cars are the top fuel dragsters obviously with very long wheelbase, they have little minor corrections. In a nitro funny car, you have to really dig on that wheel. It's not the same driving style. Oh, okay. So you're driving every like, piece of that road then. You turn that wheel. Oh, oh right yeah. On. You got to right turn it. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. It is crazy, but that's why we do it. <laughs> Damn right. <laughs> Somebody's got to ride it. <laughs> Man, that is something. Well, all right. Well, um, tell us what you're doing now. So what I'm doing now, uh, I taught my daughter how to drive. Uh, she turned 16. I got to teach her how to drive. Um, uh, spending time with my, my amazing husband. Who taught her how so to drive. Supportive. What? <laughs> uh, oh, uh, just Chevelle. What do you car. got her in? Just a regular, no, no, no. <laughs> taught her how to drive a car. Just, just a regular old car. <laughs> so it does run uh, in the family. Spending, yeah, it does. Uh, you know, but uh, spending more time with my family, uh, you know, there's, there's nothing that compares to that. I was racing 24 weeks out of the year. And, uh, you just miss out on so much and, and it, it's definitely, you know, I, I do it again. I, I'm not, you know, going back on that whatsoever. Uh, but I'm, I'm trying to make up for some lost time. My girls are, are teenagers and there's only a 
small amount of time, small window where they're still going to be at home or still even want to hang out with mom and dad. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I'm taking advantage of this time. And, um, you know, it's really, it's really important. So I I did, uh, I retired uh, to, to be home with my girls, to spend more time with my family. Uh, I won races. I ran record numbers. You know, our, our team just did, amazing and we were very successful and I'll never forget it and I can walk away with my head held high I overcame so many obstacles I persevered and I never gave up yeah you, you should be like, a guy like that I mean stepping away from to raise before you know it you'll have you and Jesse have your own team and somebody you know I'll be <laughs> Some two daughters well, you never know. I, oh. I still have visions of, of going back when the kids go to college but but I don't know if, how my husband will feel. <laughs> he's he's planning racing right now. That too. is hilarious he's a, he's coming from nitro, you, but... knowing who you're married to. Say that. I don't know if my husband's gonna be down with that though. No, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, but no, he's 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 got a nitro Harley. I keep trying to to get him to to, to get a on that thing and Harley. get it finished, so I can get back out out on the track and and uh, and watch him go down. So he's been very supportive of my racing career and. And in turn, uh, you know, I'd like to see to see him get down there too. So, uh, but it, it's been awesome. You know, it's been a great ride. Obviously, uh, I learned so much. I grew up. I grew up out there. I matured on the racetrack. I, I became, you know, a, a, a strong woman being out there. Uh, God, my my daughter learned how to ride her bicycle without training wheels in the pits. I mean, there's so many great memories I have of that, but most of all, it really made me into the the human being that I am today. Mm, the champion, for sure. Amen. We sure lo- we sure loved watching you race, and it, my God, if you get Thank back you. out there, we'll, we'll look forward to it again. All right, on. Thank you guys so much. I really appreciate it. You Thank bet. You have a great day. Tell everybody we and said hello. An honor. We'll see you soon. Okay. Uh, bye. That was awesome, man. Uh, Alexis, thank you so much for sharing your story. I, I had a great appreciation for, for that sport, man, when you took me down there and we got a chance to go on the track and see all that and to, to understand kind of the, the, the inner workings of it and how it, how it really plays out, man. And she's exceptional. Her whole life is. I wish we could have gotten in a little bit more detail about where she came from. Just the mechanics, the physics that go into go into what she does for a living the fact she's great at it that's 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 amazing so pretty much missed the whole concept of the show by not asking her that (laughs) it was incredible i mean the fact that they tear down the entire engine so they break that down after every race all the way down to parade rest completely so we we stood there and watched it for i mean that crew goes to work and it's like a ballet what kind of crew is that it's six man seven man i should know that we probably should know that while we're talking i think six 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 guys and a crew chief when that car rolls into that pit, I mean, they are, it, it is a, a ballet and they are just, now we could have, you could do a whole show probably on that. Moving on and shaking. Team, right? Take that car. And they got these big thick gloves on cause the thing's 900 degrees. They drain all the oil, take all the, everything down and put it back together. Cause the next race and the further along they go, the faster they have to do it. So the first after the first race, they have like an hour and some change to do it. And then if they're going from the semi to the finals, they got like 15 minutes. That's insane. And, Instead it. of having just a completely different engine to throw in there, no, they break the whole engine down. What, what, what's the standard? Why? Wow. That's part. That's the sport, right? She, said that, that's she sport. said that fuel would really burn through the. Oh yeah, the nitro methane. That thing's hit totally legit. Yeah. I mean, 
That, that's when I say explosion. Crank it, that some bitch up, man. It's, it's <laughs> literally bur- the, the whole concept is to get from the line to the finish line before it burns through there. That's what you're racing against. You're racing against they have, that fuel. And they put right? just enough fuel in that car to get yeah, to the finish right. line. The finish line. When she was talking about pulling G's, I was trying to imagine the speed. The only frame of reference I have is a roller coaster. Oh yeah, no, and it's huh? not even. No, no, it's not even close. No, she pulled twenty three G's coaster. when she hit those barrels. Yeah, yeah that's absurd. Twenty three G's. Shall we, I barely, I mean, a whole body had to be pulled. G's. If you've never had to experience that, man, when that when that starts happening, your body just pulls together. And you're like, you can't. It's like, <laughs> I mean, it's something. You just fold, make a face, make the great face. Make, yeah, it is. It's something. Just to climb through the ranks. She and she had to navigate that thing. Back in the day when she started, I'm sure there was she was like one of two, maybe three ladies that were racing. It just goes to show how important relationships are. The fact that she had no who you know, she had no, she didn't even have prior you know family race experience. She just jumped straight into like getting out there and asking people. I was talking to my son about this this morning before he let out, and I was like, "Hey, look," and and she just added a whole bunch of validity to that. Like, no, kind of never meet a stranger, man. I mean, you understand he's a bad person. That's that's your defense. You pick that up, man. But if you wanna, if you're interested in something and you wanna go out and pursue it, man, literally just go to where they're hanging out and then just start asking questions and then work yourself through it. I mean, man, it's it's nobody goes into something and automatically goes to the top part of it. That's that's usually not how it works, man. And if it does happen that way, they don't stay there that long. It's the person who has to climb step by step. You know, to climb a mountain, it's one foot over the other. That's a good piece of advice. Don't try to catch the driver when they're going to the line, though. Hey, can you teach me how to drive a car? It's probably not a good idea. <laughs> not the I best mean, like, time. <laughs> hey, quick question for you. Quick question. Hey, you mind? You mind? She said, uh, uh, Jack Beckman, she went to, he has a school. He's a he's a good buddy of ours, too. And he was, he's like, yeah, you guys got to come down and, and go to my school and we'll teach you how to drive. And said, yeah. So I think it's like a stepping off point. There's like certain wickets you got to. You got to go through to. There, I mean, to get to, you got to get a license. You have to, to actually. Right. Get, you can't just get, roll up on the tracks. But hey, man, I, I saw it on ESPN. I'm going to do it. The coverage yeah, is coverage excellent. Is, yeah, cold, 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 full cold trickle. Yeah, complete cold trickle into that one. <laughs> yeah, I got it. Don't worry. <laughs> the footage is, is amazing. You asked her the question about small, you know, small steering wheel reactions or large, and she yeah. was like, "No, you really have to like give it all you got." And I'm just like, how to. With such a quick, you at know, three, it's like at a, 300 miles a flash, an hour. Like, how are you? I mean, that's like driving every <laughs> every pinch of that road. Yeah. Like with jets and a lot with those small corrections. Like if you barely twist a stick and you, you need from right to left, man, because of how fast you're going, it just it doesn't overcompensate. That's how tight everything is in that car, man, if it reacts like that. Which means you can feel every when those drivers are in, they can feel everything going Flying on. by the seat of your pants. Yeah, seat yeah. Of pants. yeah, that was great, man. I enjoyed that. Thank you so much again, Alexa, for coming on. Awesome. Did today's episode ignite a new fire in you? If there's one thing that I've learned, it's that sharing your story is a powerful thing. There are people out there that need a kick in the ass every now and again, and your story could be the thing to change their life forever. Take a minute to share your story at teamneverquit.com forward slash podcast. Just click on the share your story button in the menu so we can encourage you along the way. Your story just might be shared on one of our upcoming episodes. Hey, and do you think this show could benefit someone else? Go leave us a review on iTunes. It helps other people discover the show so we can keep encouraging others to just never quit. Do you want exclusive access to the show and bonus behind-the-scenes content? Join us at Patreon. You will get exclusive access to behind-the-scenes content, access to the exclusive Patreon community where you can support others and get rare access to me. Marcus, and all of our other incredible guests. That's right, Morgan. Plus, there's some really cool rewards for our Patreon members. We've got phone backgrounds. We've got the ability for you to contribute to the Mad Minute, ask questions that will actually be asked on our interviews on the show. Uh, You can actually get 
early access to the upcoming guests on the show. And there's autographed photos of the guys. We've got so much cool stuff. One of my favorite things is the TNQ gearbox, which is packed full of cool stuff, as well as your first mission as a member of the Team Never Quit community. So check it out. If you want to become a patron, join us at patreon.com slash team never quit. Thank you guys for bringing us back. Man, we can't thank y'all enough. Um, seriously, it's uh, it's just been an honor and a pleasure to come up here and be able to um, listen to these stories and, and share them with y'all. So thank you guys again so much for uh, for doing that. I'd like to uh, thank you, brother, for coming on here, man. It's going to be a blast, Andrew. Yep, yep. Man, we're having a good time. Lincoln, I love you too, buddy. Yeah, got my baby boy in here piping in some knowledge. <laughs> Eat a little underweather. Well. Thanks to the wife for letting us do it in the house and, and continually to have a good time, man. Seriously. Thank you so much. Thank See you God. next week. Yep. Yep. Thanks to everybody. Hope y'all had as much fun as we did. God bless. I'm out.